0: Established in 2020, the Author's Porch is a space for authors to share their literary works of art. Founded by C.J. Ives Lopez, the Author's Porch puts authors first and becomes a premier destination for all at every level in their careers. When you join the Author's Porch, we want you to think of us as a beacon of light, bringing you home to a porch where your family is waiting to usher you into your greatness from live cast to podcast blog posts and most recently the magazine the author's porch brings promotional services and advice to authors to get their writing published whatever the issue the author's porch connects writers with the service desire to create their dreams into reality Hey, everybody, welcome to the author's porch where every great conversation happens and it happens because we trusted Brendan and Bomzi at Master Talk to show us the power of effective communication. We also make sure we have a great cup of coffee from Third Day Coffee Seguin, a Christ centered, veteran owned coffee company. Today on the show, we have Aria. Did I say it correct?
1: Yes, perfect.
0: Okay, Aria Franklin. How are you doing, Aria? I am just doing fine. Thanks CJ, this is really great. I am so glad to have you on the show. I've been looking forward to this conversation because Aria is also one of our featured authors in the January um, magazine that is coming out on the 1st of January. So we're super excited. I'm gonna give everybody a little introduction so they can get to know you a little bit more. We had a great little chat for the, I think about five minutes before we went live as well. So guys, Aurea Franklin is a veteran of the 101st Airborne Division, and she is releasing her debut book, Silent Freedom. The book details her service of love, loss, and examines the life at war from a woman's perspective. The four-part memoir is one, strength, one of strength, faith, and resilience. Silent Freedom details three instances of what she describes as miracles. That defied the odds and allowed her to travel and arrive where she needed to be. Faith and hope are also pillars of silent freedom. Aria's faith allowed her to deal with the difficulties of battle and survive combat with a sense of purpose. During her service, Aria received two bronze star medals for meritorious service in a combat zone, She also holds three master's degrees and is a lifetime member of the Federal Asian Pacific American Council. Previously serving as chairwoman of FAPAC's mentoring program, and is currently serving as a committee advisor. Aria, thank you so much for being here, for your service, and for your dedication, continuing dedication to so many people and also, you told me that you currently not only are you a veteran, but you're also working for the veterans of the VA currently. Is that correct?
1: That's correct. But I didn't want to mention my work here.
0: <laughs> oh, no, that's perfectly <laughs> yeah. fine. But it's like you have this, this spirit of service, like this continual yes. spirit of service. And it's not only for just of war and combat, but just always lifting people up. So tell us a little bit about your time when you first joined, before the combat, before all that, when you first joined, of Aria just first putting that uniform on, how that felt?
1: Oh, it felt so exciting for me because my father was a disciplinarian. So I was, when I came to Honolulu, Hawaii, Um you know i was married at that time and he took me over here and uh when he went back he was from honolulu hawaii and uh he went back to work in a Atul island i believe you heard of that mm. yes and um and then when he left and then uh, i looked for a job and i landed in um, the army recruiting station <laughs> i signed i signed up and um Actually, it's in my book also. It was my in my basic training. I was left in the huh, hands of my recruiters, and they taught me uh, the how to do push-ups and sit-ups and uh, my run. And uh, I ended up getting a trophy from basic training because of their mentorship. And, of course, my drill sergeant, or this drill sergeant McCroskey. <laughs> I don't know where I he is now. still remember the
0: name. <laughs> yes, I
1: do. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. And so, on, uh my first, my first duty station was in Fort Campbell, Kentucky, mm. and I didn't know that I would be going back to Fort Campbell, Kentucky, for my retirement. What happened is my my husband was sick, and he passed away, oh. and it was in my book, and then um. You know life we have to move on after yeah. this tragic the tragedy, you know that's why I have that love and loss and then I met um this warrant officer in a uh, Fort Shea after Hawaii and um we get married, and I had a son and then we ended up uh, getting divorced after twenty years of marriage, oh. so that's another you know um and know I, I was in the process of uh, you know, getting divorced and leaving a young son behind. And um, this story is about uh, uh, from a perspective of a woman and a mother's, you know, side, yeah. mother's point of view. And I, you know, when I was in Wisconsin, in one of my duty stations, Wisconsin, Fort Maca, wisconsin Wisconsin, um, as a regular army, um, we saw the, the twin tower, uh, the one, uh, the nine eleven.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I was working downstairs, and my operations sergeant was uh, upstairs, and he rushed them downstairs, and he told me, oh, right, "Araya yeah. oh, Franklin, you they call us by well, last names." Yeah. Come on, let's look at this. Uh, Pentagon is on fire, and uh, and then when I went up, and then that was when the second airplane hit the second tower.
0: Oh. I said, oh my
1: gosh. And we saw people jumping from uh, the building. And we saw a billowing dark smoke and you know, fire. And I said, oh my gosh, you know. And I said, what date it is?" September 11th. Oh, this is a day to remember. You know? And then from Fort Mokie, Wisconsin, I moved to Fort Campbell, Kentucky. The home of, of the 101st Airborne Division air assault, and I deployed with them to Iraq. And uh, after 9 11, you know, 9 11 caused multiple deployments of uh, units. Yeah. I saw the Air Force, um, forgive me, but that's where I saw them in full battle rattles.
0: Oh my God! They're also warriors. Oh, yeah, sorry. yeah. No, I mean it. It really shocked a lot of us as well because um, I came in in 1997, and when all that, I mean, that wasn't something that we did. We didn't go to a lot of places. So, and we didn't do a lot of the training. Like the, the army training was your primary MOS, right?
1: Training yes. for
0: combat. Whereas for us, that that wasn't something that was trained put into our brain but when 9-11 happened that that changed our whole mindset we were like whoa stuff just got real like we're in the real military yeah it it was a total different mindset change so yes and you know
1: um i was separated from my unit when we were in iraq right uh they deployed to northern iraq in a city called mosul all right so i was left with uh 86 Combat Support Hospital. I had a critical, very critical mission with them. It's a large combat hospital. Mm-hmm. So I reported uh, the casualties, unfortunately, from 101st Airborne Division units and uh, those attached to them. And when their mission was completed, I called my commanding officer and he told me two options. Either one, to redeploy with a combat support hospital or two to join to rejoin them in Mosul in northern Iraq, and he said, "But, but it is impossible to join us here because of this of war." And so I confirmed that it's impossible, and he said it would take a miracle. And I told him it would take a miracle. So I was just echoing what his family was telling me. And I talked to different units from Camp Uderi in Iraq and uh, nobody would take me. All these units going to the North and nobody took me. And that's how I found that uh, it was difficult for a woman to be in combat. You know, Mm -hmm. it was difficult to hit a ride. I saw men, they easily took him. So during that time, it was difficult. So I ended up going back to my tent, you know, so um, uh, distressed, crying. So I kept it to myself. I kept my faith. No matter what, I kept my faith and hope. And you know what, TJ? One day, I didn't know. God sent me St. Michael in disguise of a pilot, of an Mm -hmm. aviator. Yeah, he was uh, in a camouflage uniform, the gray and white. And um, then he he said, I am here to pick up a litter patient. And so my fellows, I look at my fellow soldiers. We look at each other intensely and say, we both know and we look at our list. And there was no litter patient nor, nor any other patient that, will be, that were supposed to be picked up that day. And so my silent freedom was uh, screaming inside me. I said, yeah. "What? But I'm willing to become your passenger." I said, and he, he I, I do remember very well. He, you know, took his helmet down and then he took his sunglasses off and he said, "You got it. Pack up and I'll wait for you at the helipad in 20 minutes." Oh my god you know I I hugged my fellow soldier I told him I'll be there <laughs> I hugged my fellow soldier and then we looked at each other and we said goodbye to each other and she said that I understand you got to go what you have to do go and so she manned the floor and I ran back to my tent and shoved everything in my duffel bag yeah. and anything that my duffel bag can contain I used the trash bags. Oh, my gosh. So I was afraid that I would not make it in 20 minutes and I will miss St. Michael. So um, I said, I need a gator. You know, a gator is just like yeah. the golf cart that takes you everywhere. Yeah. So, and then <laughs> a soldier showed up with a gator. I said, oh, my gosh. <laughs> how good. Like, uh, I, uh, all my miracles were happening at the same time. On the same day, and so he helped me with my things, and then he drove me to the helipad, and I saw Saint Michael there. And mm-hmm. after he put gas on the his uh, in his Blackhawk, then he said, "Okay, you ready? Let's go." Yes, sir. <laughs> and so, um, and so I said goodbye to the soldier who helped me get to the helipad, and we told each other, we'll see you on the other side. And, uh, you know, we gave each other a thumbs up. And so St. Michael, you know, piloted the Black Hawk, and uh, we ran through a turbulence, of course, because it was sandstorms. So I told myself, with St. Michael in the cockpit, uh, what should I be afraid of? You know? Yeah, know? So I entrusted everything to him and to God. And then, so we landed in Baghdad. Baghdad is en route to, to Mosul and my third miracle was you know looking for someone to help me to get to my final destination and the first soldier that I saw with the 101st Airborne Division Air Assault Combat Patch was this IT guy that from a unit and so, oh, I guess I really, I really lost it. And I cried and I we hugged each other. We hugged each other. He was also separated from my unit because he had a critical mission in Baghdad. So he added me to the manifest or to the list and he found a Chinook for me.
0: Oh, wow. You know,
1: that will pick up a, an engine tank in Balad. This is like 30 minutes away from Mosul. So I said, anything, anything that would get me to Mosul. So I did that. And uh, I took the Chinook. And then finally, in short, I landed in Mosul. And my commander was very surprised. My commander and my first sergeant, they were very surprised to see me. You know, wow. they didn't know that I would make it. They said, so, oh, my God, you know. So my commander said, it would take a miracle to get here, and so I told him that's exactly what happened. You know, we we shared the same faith. He was also Catholic, and said yeah. so. He stepped back and said, "Oh my God!" You know, and we hugged each other. And he told everybody, you know, about it. And he was so they're so proud that I made it alive.
0: Yeah, so, it, oh. it's astonishing that there wasn't anyone trying to get you there. You were in the middle of Iraq, by yourself, trying to find your own way to your unit.
1: Yes, I, at that time, it was very difficult. I be, I believe the second, third for deployments were easier.
0: Wow. Yeah, that must have been right when everything started. When there wasn't the airlifts, there wasn't the logistics all worked out uh, and everything. So, yeah, The ground convoy was the only means
1: to get to Iraq.
0: Wow. So St. Michael was was sent to you. Everything was, was just, I, I do believe in that. I do believe that things happen for a very specific reason. So how many tours did you end up doing?
1: I had four tours. Oh, my gosh. I almost became an Iraqi citizen. I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh, this is a whole other, we need to have a whole season of talking to you. I mean, there's there's already so much going on. But I think, thank God, you know, thank God for what, what he brought into you, you know, brought to you to get you back to your unit. Um, so when you talk about, um, so Jamie Lane is here. <laughs> you oh. <laughs> she says She thinks you're funny. Yes, four too.
1: tours, one year each.
0: Wow, four years total in the in country and in, in a combat unit. That's that's crazy. Um, so when you came home, and you already experienced the loss of one husband um, and the divorce of another after 20 years and now how many now you were transitioning your life how was that how was that transition for you
1: it was tough at first you know the first year uh, i can't live with my former husband it was very difficult i was homeless and you know, over where would I go? I cannot live with them. So it was tough, but God was with me in Iraq, and he was with me when I came home. No. And everything turned okay. You know, I, said, yeah, I love my life in Iraq. It may be, you know, weird to hear it, but I felt so sick. I felt secured with the you, the troops around me, you know, yeah. we run the perimeter with no problem. We cannot run in group because somebody might throw a grenade on us and it, that will be a mass casualty. Right. Yeah. But I love my, right. I enjoyed the camaraderie The my, my soldiers, you know, you know how so, uh, troops are, you know, they yeah. have goods, they have great sense of humor and I yes. love it.
0: Absolutely.
1: I loved it. And, and
0: you're, your book, um, Silent Freedom, is your story of your your military career, correct?
1: It's a story of my uh, service with the 101st Airborne Division a Resort in Iraq. It doesn't tell about all my story, but I mentioned something there when, uh, you know, a grand wedding in the Philippines. So I gave you a short tour. Okay. About the Philippines, I don't know if I you've haven't. been there
0: before. I haven't, I haven't. But you know, every time I talk to somebody, I'm like, you know, I was in Japan. That was the closest that I got. Um, that was the only tour that I did in Asia, um, and then I went to Hawaii, but that was about it as well. <laughs> funny. <on> <laughs> we have a we have a huge, a really great veteran community. Uh, that we work with and talk with uh, an author community as well. So you're in a you're in a great place here. Oh, no, oh, yeah, yeah,
1: that's great. And uh, yeah. you know, most people here, fortunately, uh, like veterans. So we're lucky.
0: Yeah. So what made you want to write the book? What was your your motivation and inspiration to write the book?
1: It was difficult to write that book, but my inspiration was my fellow veterans, you, the young men and women who transformed into strong, brave men and women and continue to serve this country. And also, I had to release the pain in my heart. I lost friends in Iraq, and it was too difficult. I had to release it. I had to write the book. And so now, you know, it's not too bad when I get really sad. I have to (laughs) uh, look at my book and I say, there you are. And actually, I have a story there where my good friend, I was an adjutant general uh, support, right, admin, and he was killed in his uh, fourth tour there and that was so sad because i came home and then i didn't know that it was him on the airplane at the same time when i oh. and then i i found out that it was him that he died when i went back to Iraq and that was so difficult but one day when i went back to Fort Campbell and visited i saw a land a uh, a street name after him oh. so that was uh, a relief you know i said okay um we will remember you forever. And as if I saw him, his face in heaven is smiling at me because he was also a pastor. Yeah. Yeah. It was difficult. But, uh, yeah, all my friends and so my fellow veterans inspired me. And my son, of course,
0: yeah.
1: at a very young age, he had to watch TV every morning before he went to school just to catch a glimpse of me. And Aww. it touched the core of my of my being a mother. Yeah, it was really difficult. But
0: yeah, did you ever think that you would write a book? It was it something that you aspired to do, or was it just something that you knew you needed to get the words out?
1: You know, CJ. For some reason, I had this feeling, but I cannot explain it. There's something like, and I I didn't I didn't have many pictures of me in Iraq because especially during the first during the first year but something was telling me something's going to happen but it this must be it
0: yeah yeah mm. I think that veterans need to write those books a lot of them are are a very wonderful healing journey whether they publish them or not that's up to them but it's also a testament Um, to the things that that they experience over there. And it shows the next generation how to become resilient, how to get through those times because there's so many emotions and feelings that veterans go through over there once we come home, once you transition, there's so much going on. So I think that every veteran should write down what they went through
1: yeah oh my god yeah i know they should i never recommend you (laughs) (laughs) you should be in this podcast yeah so
0: what are you what are you up to now what what's life like for aria now without the combat boots or maybe you still wear them some people still wear them and that's okay i can't i can't fit in mine my ankles are too big now
1: (laughs) <laughs> yes, uh, I love my combat boots. And uh, yes, uh, thank you for asking, CJ. I am writing novels. Awesome. And uh, I have uh, one is coming up, and I'm hoping that I will see you again.
0: Well, you know, I, I would love to see you again and and talk all anytime you want to talk. So Silent Freedom is the one that you have now. Is it out already?
1: Yes, it's out already, September 20, 2021. It's available on Amazon.com, Barnes and Nobles. Lulu.com was the one who printed my books. Um, it's in uh, Kobo. It's oh, yes. uh, everywhere. Uh, yes. if, you, if you please uh, type Aurea Franklin Silent Freedom in Google, and it will show, it will lead you. To my book, and Google, uh, Google also have my my book.
0: Okay. And what else are you uh, working up over there in that beautiful mind of yours? What
1: else is working? Oh. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, oh my gosh, I just would like to. I would like to write a comedy book someday. <laughs> I would you know, like to make people happy.
0: You have that personality. I think that you totally, there's something about your smile and the way that you answer things that I bet you have that personality, that quick wit that is going to just kill it in a comedy book. Like I could tell.
1: (laughs) I needed that vote of confidence.
0: (laughs) Yes, I totally totally think that you're going to write that one and it's going to be great.
1: That's great. Thank you. Thank you for the encouragement.
0: Yeah. So if you had any advice for somebody that wanted to write a book, but but doesn't have the confidence or doesn't know where to start, what would your what would your advice be to them? Call me. There you go. Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: Call me and make sure, you know, I had a challenge with my uh, pictures, right? There were not high resolution. So uh, we have to take a, a picture of it. Um, with our, you know, we have modern cameras now, and that was yeah. very challenging. But we got it done, and um, most of my pictures you can find them in the last pages of Silent Freedom.
0: Awesome, yeah. Those are those are to be cherished. You look back, and you're like, I, I often post pictures from my memories on Facebook, and I'm like, who is that girl? That's a whole different person. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah it feels like it. But then I, but then I put on there at the end. I'm like, she's still in there, so watch out because yeah. I'm still her. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. where can people reach you at if they do, okay. <laughs> do want to call me? you?
1: Okay. Well, me
0: to I mean, give not me your me phone me? number. Don't put that out there. You don't want a bunch of people calling you. That's uh, right. Obscure. But like uh, <laughs>
1: Yeah. Go to um, silentfreedom101st. Um, 101st is 101st.com silentfreedom101st.com awesome. silentfreedom101st.com
0: <laughs> So you guys head over there um, and if you're looking to write a book contact Aria because she's ready for you because her next book is going to be comedy and I'm already going to be laughing I'm uh-huh. looking forward to it uh, so here's the part of the podcast where I hand it over to you and any words that, any last words, something that we didn't get to talk about that you want to talk about, uh, things that you want to shout out to anybody, stuff that you want to make sure that your voice is being heard on, that this is your floor for you to take it away.
1: The, yes, it's a very important one for me. And it's how I survive the battle and the battleground. Okay. Faith. Can inspire hope and faith, and hope can make a big difference. We hope that we'll have a better future.
0: Mm. Such beautiful words. Thank you so much for doing, for saying that, for being here, for holding a space for so many other female veterans who do not think that they have words that matter or think that they can speak about their time in the military because I was one of those female veterans at one point. There were so many things that I couldn't speak about, or I felt like I couldn't get anything done, or I couldn't go across a country that didn't want me there. So I understand that. And as long as we keep speaking up and we keep putting our words out there, there's so many people that are going to realize that their voice matters. So thank you for putting your book out there, for writing those beautiful words on those pages, and for being here with us tonight. We appreciate you, Aria.
1: Thanks for having me, CJ. It's really a big honor for me to be here tonight.
0: Thank you. And when when you write the next one, make sure you come back, because we definitely want you to come back. Okay. thank you.
1: Thank you so much,
0: CJ. Awesome, guys. Don't forget to come back each week and watch us either live or the podcast right here on Facebook. You can also ask Siri or Alexa to play our latest episode. Head to our website, catch your latest issue of the magazine or the blog post. We want to continue making authors dreams come true and provide them a platform to shine. We will see you guys next time. And if you appreciate conversations like we do and want to become a better speaker. Visit our friends, Brendan and C of Master Talk, where they teach you how to use the power of your voice. Don't forget, stay awake with a nice cup of coffee from Third Day Coffee Seguin, the best cup of coffee on this side of heaven. Until next time, my friends, I'm CJ. That is Aria. Go read her book and write on. We'll see you guys later. Bye, Rhea. Bye. Bye CJ. Bye. Thank you so much. Thank you. The Authors Force is a certified veteran hosted podcast. Show your support. Tune in, share, and subscribe.